This is Mind Booster Podcast. In times like these, we need a mind booster. Listen to yours truly, Vanessa Osborne, sharing with you today how we sometimes grade God based on unanswered or failed prayers. We give God a failing grade like F is in Frank if our prayers are not answered as we expect. Let's find out what the Bible says about failed prayers. You expect only blessings flow from the wonders of heaven to a Christian. Somehow they believe that being a Christian meant that when you pray, things just, just happen. And the idea of being a Christian in, in a generalized sense is that you attend church and you go to Bible study. And that's, that's it. So somehow it's this formula that if you do these one or two things, then automatically stuff just going to flow from the windows of heaven and every single direction for you. Just open up your arms and receive. And so when you around that kind of philosophy and disappointments happen when you pray, then you pray less. You say, this isn't working. Prayer doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. What's the use? And I've heard more than a few times people say, what's the use of praying? It doesn't work. One of my colleagues at, at work said she prayed for her mom that had brain cancer and the mom died. She said, prayer doesn't work. I'm not going to ever pray again. So why would I pray if he didn't save my mother? I say, hey, he didn't save my mother either, but I'm praying constantly. Uh, so you look at they look at things on earth as being the ultimate. This is not our home, but we think of it as our only home. And so what happens is when people are disappointed, born again Christians are disappointed when their prayers are not answered as expected, we grade God. And how we grade God? We pray less. How we pray? Uh, how do we grade God? We numb ourselves by taking on these different stimulus, or we believe that God is not faithful. How about reading the Bible less? This happens as well. So people, some people would read the Bible every single day. I can attest to more than a few people every single day, as long as their job is, is, is going along, their kids are healthy, their spouse is content, and everything is rocking for them. They're the head and leader of the church. Everybody knows their name in the church. Everybody knows their name in the club and then the work. Everything is going well. Their, their life is just clicking, click, click, click. And then tragedy happens, unbeknownst to them. One of the children get hit by a car and then they're in the hospital. This is the first type of trauma for this individual. And they say, how could that happen? I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm going to church. I'm a leader at the church. And the child is in the hospital and the doctor says, yeah, they're going to have to wear a cast or something like that. The child will recover. But instead, the person reads the Bible. Says, I don't feel like reading the Bible because it doesn't make a difference. I, you know, that my son got hit by a car, uh, you know, playing ball in the street or whatever. And he says it, it didn't make a difference. So all that prayer was for nothing. He says, I'm not going to read again. And I'm not going to, to pray right now. And what did the scripture say? Well, Paul told the Thessalonians, the first Thessalonians, 5, 16 through 18, we need to pray and always be joyful. Remember Paul said that to the church of Thessalonica. He said, we should always pray, always be joyful. So this guy, he prayed less and he stopped reading the Bible just because his son was hit by a car and his son is going to recover. And what did Paul say to Timothy? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, you recall that? He says what? He said, you need to study the scriptures daily routinely so you can rightly divide what truth is so you won't have to be ashamed this is what paul told timothy he says so you should always be praying paul says and you should always be studying the scriptures but when a few incidents in our lives happen that's different 
from our norm of few disappointments, we grade God when we pray less. We grade God when we read the Bible less. We give God a D or an F. So we're saying you're doing a poor job or you fail. You fail because I'm expecting my life to stay in this perfect bubble all the time. This is what I'm expecting. And then what happens is we neglect all the fruits of the Holy Spirit and we're Christian-less. Why? Because being a Christian means that you embrace the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, gentleness, all of that we embrace. But when you are disappointed by a devastation or a rejection in your prayer, you rate, you, you rate God. You grade, you grade God and say, you know what? Being a Christian life is too hard. I want to be angry. I'm, I'm keeping my anger under control too much. I'm really the incredible Hulk, <laughs> as my husband told me. <laughs> I'm an incredible Hulk. And so this self-control is out of hand. This is getting out of hand. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be that. I want to be me. There are songs about that, Set, Just be you. You want to be me. And that being me doesn't mean always self-control. I want to be like everybody else. I want to be able to explode. I want to turn green. I want to tear up everything because being under control all the time, it takes a toll on me. But being a Christian is an effort, especially when you're doing your own self management. When you're trying to manage yourself, coping with rejection, when things go wrong in your life, this is what we tend to do. We self-manage and we grade God by how we respond to the disappointment. And when you're first disappointed, when um, they had that shooting a couple of years ago in the church where the guy came in and he shot up what 13 or 14 Christians. They invited him into the Bible study and he killed them point blank, murdered them, assassinated them, however you want to uh, coin that. He murdered all those people. And then 24 hours later, if it was 24 hours, if not 48 hours later, a family member came on the television and he said, we forgive them. <laughs> he said, we forgive them for that. This is the response of a person that's embraced the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And under that kind of tragedy, how many people are going to go on the airways and say, I forgive that murderer for gunning down my mother, my father, my sister, my uncle, uh, my sister, my brother, my aunt, my uncle, uh, my grandson, or whomever. The 24 hours later, he comes on and said, this is what Jesus Christ teaches, which is true. This person demonstrated how he responds when things go wrong. Guess what? No one is praying that when you're at a Bible study that someone is going to come and slaughter your relatives, much less you. This is not expected. This is a failed prayer. You expect when you go to a Bible study that you leave the Bible study and go home. No one is ever expecting to die when they go to the church house. However, we know in the scriptures, it happened in the temple in the Old Testament, most certainly, and also in the New Testament as well. But we're not expecting that as Christians. We're expecting when we're in the church, all good things happen. We may have a few little conflicts, but no one is expecting for someone to gun them down or gun their relatives down in the church. However, it does happen. Things go wrong. And how do you respond? How do you cope? Are you able to hold up the fruits of the Holy Spirit when your prayer is answered negative. And so we look at that and say, well, how, 
how does God grade us uh, on all of this? Does God grade on a curve? You know what grading on a curve means? That if you, um, the grading scale is usually up to 100 and 100 is usually an A. But grading on a curve means if everybody else is doing poorly, then the A, the excellent, becomes a 50 or it can become a 20. And I remember I was in an advanced calculus class and the teacher said, you know, the highest grade was 20. <laughs> out, of a, out of 100 points, the highest was 20. And so the people that got 20 would basically get an A because what they do in this particular class, this particular professor, he called himself trying to prepare people to be an Einstein or something. So he made the test so difficult and impossible, he would give you a problem that no one knows the answer to, okay? And so you would get a grade based on your approach. There was no known answer at that time, probably even today. And it had to do with some of Einstein's stuff. And so my mistake was taking an advanced math class in the first place. That was my first mistake. <laughs> so in, in essence, this guy was grading on a curve. And the curve says that the people that got 20, that's an A. And if you got 15, that's a B and on so forth. And so again, that's, how, that's the concept of grading on a curve. But God doesn't grade on a curve. He grades on this faith. Do you have faith? And remember what God is looking for, how God grade us. And let someone turn to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse number 6. And you can see that this is important to God. And you know this scripture when you turn to it. So someone turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Excellent, Ella. So what God is saying is that in order, your grade is going to be based on your faith. And you have to be faithful even when things are not as expected. Because you have to believe that God exists. This believing is not a superficial believing. The superficial meaning you believe when you go to church. You believe when it's the church holidays. You believe when you see a few saints. But when you are around your homeboys and homegirls at the club and at the dance party, at the, any other kind of gathering at work, then your belief is not the same. Your faith is not the same. You have to believe that God is and then testify to that no matter where you go. He says in order to be to have a good grade with God and an A or a B or a C, you need to have faith. You need to have A level, B level, at least C level faith in God. And then Jesus Christ, he says, you need to understand something. If you're a disciple, what does it say in Luke chapter 14, verse 27? If you want to follow Christ, what does he say? Wow, Hulan. He said, you cannot, you cannot follow me unless you take up a cross. And the interesting thing about this scripture, was this before or after he went to the cross? Question? It's before. This, this whole terminology about a cross, what is he talking about? Taking up a cross. He didn't take up a cross yet. And he's talking about a cross because they knew that a cross meant execution, suffering, and pain, and death. And he says that you need to take up a cross and follow me. And he says, this is how you know you're one of my followers, is that you have to take up your own cross. And then in verse 33, I'll read that for you. So what um, Christ is doing is he's preparing his disciples but what's to come? So that's verse 27. And then Jesus Christ explains. He said, who 
builds a building or who goes to war unless they count the cost. So there's a cost for us becoming followers of Christ. So in verse 33, he says, so no one can become my disciple unless he first sits down and count his blessings and then renounce them all for me. He says, you need to count the cost. And Jesus Christ gives us this illustration to tell us when you sign on to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you can do whatever, you can pray whatever you want, you have to recognize there is going to be a cost to following me. You have to renounce your blessing. I like this translation, which is a TLB. He says, you need to count your blessings, count all your blessings, list them one by one, and then renounce them for me. Because all those blessings mean they mean nothing. It's really about following what God wants you to do. Regardless of the outcome of your prayers, he says, Jesus Christ says, renounce all those blessings and follow me. Take up your own cross because there will be a cross. And he's teaching his disciples uh, about the upcoming challenges that they will have. And then we're going to see how this meet, how this forwards into a segue into the Beatitudes. But here Jesus Christ is telling us it doesn't matter about what you pray and your disappointment. What matters is your purpose is you're taking up a cross. You're counting the cost. You need to know that if you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to follow God, this life is not going to always be rosy. In America, life is beautiful and rosy compared to uh, many countries, not just um, third world countries, but second world and first world. We live a beautiful, wonderful life. And so our challenge mostly is about sickness, and we put a lot of our energy on finance. But sickness and death and finances is our biggest hurdle. But other people have hurdles beyond uh, that. And most, many people in America, probably the average person, do well financially. And, uh, but all of us uh, will die and many people uh, get sick. And so we do see the sickness as a key area that we, we see happening in America. But again, what Jesus Christ is telling his followers is that you need to count the cost for being my disciple. And it's not, as my grandmother used to say, a flowery bed of ease. Because we expect life to always be wonderful and flowery bed that we live in. It's just a flowery bed of ease, good living, good life, and more. And James says, no, you need to understand something too. In James chapter 1, uh, verse 12, and you're familiar with this scripture as well. Someone turn to James chapter 1, verse 12 and read that. Because James is giving, he, James, I love James. James cut to the chase. He tell you like it is. And so a lot of times... Paul tell you like it is too, but James, you know, is a short book and he just cuts to the chase. He he cuts to the chase and said, you need to be tested and persevere. Okay. So what does it say in James chapter one, verse 12? James is cutting to the chase. He says, blessed and blessed in this translation. Again, the blessed, the terminology, fortunate. You should be happy because you're steadfast. You're persevering under the test. When your prayers are rejected, you need to stand and believe and trust God and love God. Because guess what? You're going to get a crown of life. This is what God has promised you, a crown of eternal life. No matter how bad it gets on the earth plane, we have a crown waiting for us. And this is what we have to remember when our prayers are rejected and when they're not answered according to our expectation. Because God didn't say that we were always going to have every prayer answered exactly 
the way we wanted it to be answered. And that's just like with uh, jobs. Sometimes you can pray for a job and a, and a particular job that I got terminated from. And the next job was 10 times better than that job. And the next job, 10 times better than that. Because God has people for you to minister to in each job. And he moves you on to the next ministry when it's time to move on. Because you're allowing God to control and manage your life. You don't do the self-management. You go to God and you trust God to align your life because you've already counted the cost and you just in lockstep with what God wants uh, for your life because without faith, you can't please God. So you work in your faith to please God. You want God to be pleased with your life. You want him to say, you, you good and faithful servant, well done when you come before the judgment seat. And so we look at this and we say, okay, yes, there's disappointment, but our coping our, our management has to be God management. Let God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, manage your life. And so then we look at trust in Proverbs chapter 3, which is very famous. And this is what it comes down to when people say, uh, more than a few people say, I just, I can't trust God to do this. But the proverb writer Solomon said in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, he said, we can trust the Lord with our entire being, our entire intellect, our thinking, our will, everything about us. We can trust the God with all of our heart. And, and it doesn't always make sense how God lead us down a path. But he says, don't, we can't lean on our own understanding because we don't, we can't see that far. He said, in all our ways, we need to acknowledge God. And everything we do, we acknowledge God and he will lighten up, direct, straighten the path. And you know how it is to be on a crooked path? Some of the roads around Houston, they don't, they go in a curve, they're crooked. And the straight roads, you can see from a little distance. But the Bible says that you need to, with all your existence, with all your thinking, lean on God and don't try to figure out sometimes what God is doing because you can't see more than a uh, hundred feet if that far. It said, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. Acknowledge God as what? The controller and the provider and the one that has the best interest uh, for you. Uh, so with that, we look at how God grades us, how we grade God, and the way we read God, the way we grade God is when things go wrong and when things go right. God is good all the time and all the time. God, God is good. And, and then when people say that, it's not when you in the cancer room and the person is giving a laugh breath and it's your laugh breath or the person's giving a last breath. People don't say that in, that in that room all the time. God is good. That doesn't happen. But what the scriptures is telling us that God is good when you're dying. And, and I'll never forget uh, one an illustration when I was praying for someone and they were dying of cancer, body emaciated. And then I went to pray for them. That was the purpose. The purpose was for me to pray for them. And I was just going to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what to say, because honestly, I didn't really have a clue. And then when I bowed on my knees at the person on the side of the inside of their house, the person prayed for me and they said something similar to that. God is good. And so I was sort of amazed at that because this person is died subsequently like 24, 48 hours later. But instead, the person had the frame of mind to pray for me and the other person that was there on our knees praying for her. And then what was interesting is she prayed that God is good. And I would have thought to say that under the circumstances, but that was her prayer. And that was a lesson to me. God is good all the time. So when you're not getting what you're expected and you coping, you're doing this self-management, 
And we do self-management without recognizing it. And you can see how much time you spend in coping with disappointment and just coping with life in general. And with that three factor, your three factor of prayer, reading the Bible, and involvement with the church compared to how we numb ourselves with television watching, the social media, with work, eating uh, constantly, drinking constantly, not necessarily alcohol, and, and getting involved with, with drugs that sort of help us to cope with the disappointment in our life. Uh, and that's different from having pain and you have a, a serious illness, that's, that's different. But the people I'm talking about, they, they're taking a lot of drugs just to calm down uh, at work, just to calm down uh, and in their family, just to stay in the marriage. And there could be chemical imbalances there. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about those that are doing this coping self-management and spending three seconds praying, three minutes in the Bible. And that's just an illustration, of course, uh, three factor, because it could be five seconds. But my the point is this, is that Jesus Christ spent a lot of time in prayer, a tremendous amount of time in prayer to God the Father. And why would he do that when he just left heaven? Why would he do that as God? So it has a, a, a greater purpose than we could know. And this constant communication with God and then constantly studying his scripture, the information that he gave for us to understand how to maintain a civil, uh, good emotional state of being on earth. This concludes a Mind Booster podcast. Go to PrayTube.net to listen to the entire series and to receive free resources associated with each podcast teaching.